President Donald Trump was sued twice on Monday over his plan to ban transgender soldiers from the U.S. military, setting the stage for more court battles over presidential directives. Trump unexpectedly announced the ban in tweets on July 26th. He tweeted that the military, quote, cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. On Monday, Trump defended an August 25th memo that directed the Pentagon to implement a ban on transgender individuals from enlisting in or continuing to serve in the military. Uh, it's been a very difficult situation, uh, and I think I'm doing uh, a lot of people a favor by coming out and just saying it. As you know, it's been a very complicated issue for the military. It's been a very confusing issue for the military, and I think I'm doing the military a great favor. This is the third lawsuit to stop the ban on transgender soldiers. Shannon Minter, legal director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights, one of the organizations that sued first, says this is already affecting many transgender soldiers. They're faced with decisions they have to make right now about training, reenlistment, health care, uh, future planning for, for their families and their careers, and they have no idea what's about to happen. Our guests are Thomas Spohr, director of the Center for National Security at the Heritage Foundation, and Scott Skinner-Thompson, professor at the University of Colorado Law School. Scott, start by explaining exactly what this August 25th memo directs. Sure. So the memo uh, that President Trump issued does uh, three things. It indefinitely extends the ban on new enlistments by transgender people. That ban on new enlistment was set to lift on July 1st, but had been extended by uh, Secretary of Defense Mathis to January 1st, 2018, and Trump uh, has extended that indefinitely. So no new no people who are transgender will be able to enlist in the military. Second, it reverses the ability of transgender people currently in the military to stay, effective March 2018. Uh, since about um, the 2016, maybe even 2015, transgender people have been able to serve openly in the military. Um, those that are currently enlisted in the military have been permitted to stay. Uh, the Trump uh, memo uh, would effectively reverse that effective March 2018. And finally, it singles out and prohibits uh, gender confirmation surgery for those enrolled, um, enlisted in the military, effective uh, March 2018. So we're talking about President Trump's um, actually uh, months of President Trump is actually putting out a memo saying that um, directing the military that there will be no more uh, military transgender people in the military. Uh, before he banned the transgender people from the military, he had revoked guidelines that gave transgender students. So coming up, are transgender rights becoming a new dividing line in the country's wars? And we're going to continue this discussion for a little while. Um, Scott, Trump is commander-in-chief, um, but let's talk about the constitutional claims that the ACLU and the Heritage Foundation are making here. Right. So the ACLU and Lambda Legal and the National Center for Lesbian Rights um, 
have uh, filed a series of lawsuits um, that raise a couple of different claims challenging the constitutionality of President Trump's um, action. And I think the most significant is the, the equal protection challenges that says that basically um, transgender people here are being targeted based on the protected characteristics, their transgender status, and sex-based characteristics. And as such, they are subject to um, either intermediate, intermediate or heightened scrutiny under uh, the Equal Protection Clause. Um, and, and that requires the government to really have a, an important or compelling um, government interest for singling them out. And um, what we know is that there is no um, interest here and really no rational basis for this policy. The Obama administration and the Department of Defense uh, did what governments are supposed to do, which is study issues before making um, uh, decisions. And they commissioned a report by the RAND Corporation, hardly um, a liberal um, firebrand group. And that report concluded that inclusion of transgender people in the military would have a minimal effect on military readiness, and they would ha it would impose minimal costs on the U.S. Um, government. And as such, the Department of Defense lifted the ban on transgender um, service members, concluding that there was no reason uh, that there's a military or readiness justification for this um, that overcomes the targeting of, uh, uh, of, the tra of transgender people. Tom, give us the other side. What's the strongest argument in favor of the, the legality of this, this new policy? I'm not going to speak really to the legality. I will speak to what we think is potentially uh, disqualifying, and that is uh, there are internal statistics, self-reporting statistics, that talk about transgender individuals attempting suicide at nine times the rate of the U.S. population as a whole. And so 40% of transgender individuals have reported that they attempt suicide versus 4.6 of the United States population. This, the service in the military is perhaps the most stressful occupation that we have, and so I think we have a duty to assure ourselves that placing transgender individuals in harm's way will not contribute to increased rates of psychological damage or trauma to these individuals. But the, Tom, Tom, I'm curious that you, you don't want to talk about the legality of this because, um, you know, we heard on the other side an argument that there's not a, uh, oh. you know, not a, not a legal basis for this new policy. Um, uh, why won't you address that? No, I, I certainly will. So let me say this. Every day in recruiting stations across America, the U.S. military discriminates against individuals who want to join the military. And I I respect people that want to serve and respect uh, those that want to join the military, but they discriminate, and they discriminate on a bunch of different categories. So, for example, if you're 30 years old, you can't join the Marine Corps because you're too old. If you have asthma to any degree, flat feet or bad peanut allergies, you can't join the military. You can't join the military if you don't have a high school diploma in most cases and you don't pass various uh, stages. So... Joining the military is uh, a, a, an aspect, something that we appreciate people doing, but it is not open uh, to all people with all kinds of different situations. Scott, how are those qualifications that Tom just mentioned different from excluding someone because they're transgender? Well, let me just say really quickly, the argument about 
uh, the suicide rate, uh, I think, is really specious and uh, cyclical. The reason why uh, transgender people may be at higher risk of uh, mental health problems has nothing to do with the fact that they are transgender. It has to do with policies just like this, discriminatory social policies that stigmatize them, single them out, and make them feel inferior. That's why they might have a greater degree of uh, mental health issues and uh, suggesting that, oh, well, the result of our discrimination causes transgender people to have higher suicide rates means that we can continue um, to discriminate against them is uh, cyclical and, um, you know, really um, just Ill- illogical. With regard to the point about um, physical fitness, I, I would say n- nobody here is questioning that there are standards that must be satisfied in terms of people's fitness to be in the military, but transgender people are perfectly capable of meeting those standards and have been meeting those standards. And I would add that these same kinds of arguments have been raised time and time again to justify excluding certain people from the military. They were raised against including women in the military. They were raised against excluding gays, lesbians, and bisexual people from the military. And every time, after some initial uh, uh, wrongheaded policies, our country has finally come to the right decision, and I feel confident that we'll reach the right decision again, a decision that uh, recognizes the full humanity of transgender people and doesn't uh, use them, as President Trump is clearly doing here, to, uh, for political gain to, uh, to, um, uh, to in, uh, ingratiate himself to the conservative base. Tom, this policy was announced in a tweet, and it it was a tweet that that occurred while the defense secretary was studying the issue. Uh, The president was responding to uh, arguments that the military shouldn't have to pay for the cost of surgery. Uh, And and then he went further and said um, uh, that I I don't want to have transgender people in the military at all. Um, doesn't the haphazard way uh, that was the policy was announced suggest that it wasn't very well thought through and and probably increase the chances that a court will strike it down? You know, I, I can't speak to whether the court will strike it down because of the way it was initially announced on tweets. I do know that when you read the the executive order that the president signed, it sounds very logical and it makes perfect sense. It talks about the impact on the military and the unknown uh, nature of what gender dysphoria, the un, the underlying uh, situation in transgender causes on the readiness of the force. And it also goes on to say that those, in terms of the people that are currently serving in the military that are transgender, the Secretary of Defense is going to make a recommendation to the president on how to handle them. So it's not a, a categoric, they're all being kicked out. He has asked Secretary Maz to give him his recommendations on how to address and handle the people currently serving in the military. Scott, what would have to be proven in court in order to get an injunction? Well, I'm happy to answer that, but just want to correct one factual um, uh, point. With all due respect, the the um, it, the memo that the president issued does not uh, permit transgender people currently serving to stay beyond March 2018. Secretary Mathis does not have discretion to permit them to stay beyond that date. He's given discretion for uh, to, to deal to figure out how to deal with them in the interim until that date. But beyond that date, they will not be able to uh, permitted um, uh, 
to stay in the military. With respect to your question about um, an injunction, uh, the um, the plaintiffs will need to sh- demonstrate that there's a likelihood of success uh, in the merits and that they will um, suffer irreparable harm if this um, if a court doesn't step in to um, stop this policy. And I, I've already discussed a little bit why I think uh, there's a likelihood of success on the merits with respect to the equal protection um, uh, claim, but I think uh, with respect to irreparable um, harm, anybody who wants to be in the um, military now is currently um, being banned as we speak, and all of those, um, so they're suffering harm now, and all of those currently serving in the military, um, including people who are seeking um, uh, gender confirmation surgery, are being um, are being harmed because it's there's this cloud hanging over them and an imminent um, d- d- their dismissal is is imminent. So I think um, based on the stigmatization that they're currently suffering, in addition to the practical effects uh, that are about to occur um, on their career, they'll be able to demonstrate um, irreparable harm and they'll be able to de- demonstrate that the balance of hardships um, tilt in their favor. Tom, there are a lot of parallels with the debate we had a few years ago uh, about gay people serving in the military openly. Um, is there any evidence that uh, – well, first of all, you could tell me why that parallel may, may not be perfect if you'd like. But I'm interested to know whether there's any evidence that having gay people in the military has in any way undermined the, the readiness of the military. No, I'm not aware of any uh, data or any uh, results that show that it has undermined the readiness. I think that's an example of a an integration and acceptance, if you will, that has worked well. I, you know, I would draw a distinction though between the, the incorporation of gay people with that of uh, transgender, because transgender, which is caused by gender dysphoria, that's the technical name for it, that's outlined as a disorder in the Manual of Mental Disorders, and this is something put out by the American uh, Psychological Association. So not not a so- social or a cultural kind of thing that we have to accept. It's actually defined as a mental disorder. And as I mentioned earlier, these people, self-reporting survey data, say that they commit or attempt suicide at a rate nine times the U.S. population. And there's no, there's no saying that that is being caused by they're not being accepted. This is from across the United States where Perhaps they are being accepted. So before we put people like this in increased harm's way, it only makes sense to us that we make sure that we're not going to cause them even greater uh, mental anxiety. Well, 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 Tom, there are a lot of uh, mental disorders that people have. Uh, you know, one that jumps out, clinical depression. Um, we don't have a ban on people uh, with cl- clinical depression serving in the no, military. Let me, let me interrupt you. Let me, let me interrupt you right there. If you... If you try and join the military and you have clinical depression, you are not able to join the military. Is well, well, let me let me let me turn to another point. Or Scott, you want to jump in and and help me on this point? Uh, feel free. But but let me say, I mean, one of the things the ACLU says in its lawsuit is that at least for new people joining the military, uh, there has to be a showing that, um, or it says that somebody who has gender dysphoria is disqualified unless a doctor has certified that the person was stable and didn't have any clinically significant distress. Or impairment is, is that accurate? And and if it is accurate, doesn't that take care of a lot of the the arguments that you're you're raising? No, I don't think so. I, we're talking about people that are clinically stable, 
in uh, in downtown United States of America. There's a there's an entirely different uh, aspect of play if you're in the Helmand province in Afghanistan, and the Taliban is shooting at you, and so you're you're in in a situation of extraordinary stress, not comparable to anything that you might find in the United States. And so, the fact that you might be stable in your own home environment when we take you away from all your friends and family and place you in an unknown environment where people are trying to kill you, uh, it places a stress that we cannot anticipate or even evaluate in the United States. Um, the plaintiffs in the ACLU lawsuit include uh, Petty Officer Brock Stone, who served in the U.S. Navy for 11 years, including a nine-month deployment to Afghanistan, and Staff Sergeant Kate Cole, who served in the U.S. Army for almost 10 years, including a year in Afghanistan, where she was a team leader and designated marksman. Scott, with the evidence that you have on the plaintiff's side, on the opposite side, you have the fact that Trump is the commander-in-chief. And is the commander-in-chief empowered to make these kinds of decisions? Well, certainly, um, you know, the commander-in-chief, the president's power is at its zenith when he's acting as commander-in-chief. But um, time and time again, we've seen courts recognize that that power is not unlimited, that there are checks on uh, the president's power. And, you know, an an example uh, of uh, in the military context, it doesn't necessarily deal with presidential power, but it does deal with sex discrimination in um, in the military co- context is the case of United States versus Virginia Military Institute, where you had one of the nation's uh, military co- few military colleges uh, discriminating against um, female um, p- potential cadets, saying they weren't permitted. And the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, in a seven-one decision, said, notwithstanding that we're dealing with military policy, we're dealing with military readiness. There's no reason to uh, discriminate based on uh, based on sex and mandated that women be permitted in to the Virginia uh, Military um, Institute. And I'd like to just go back to um, the description of we gender. We have about dis- thirty well, seconds, okay, Scott? Okay, not 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 all transgender people necessarily suffer from uh, mental health issues or, or even gender dysphoria. The dysphoria comes when they are not permitted to. Um, to take social steps to confirm their uh, their gender identity. So the impression being... All right, uh, I'll have to stop you there. I want to thank you both. Scott Skinner-Thompson, professor at the University of Colorado Law School, and Thomas Spohr, director of the Center for National Security at the Heritage Foundation. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about President Trump, who is expected to decide soon on the fate of young immigrants who are brought into the country illegally as children. This is Bloomberg.